0: Don't hit me. I'm going to hit you. Don't hit me. It's coming.
1: Don't hit me.
0: (laughs) It's coming at you.
1: There's there's some hitting going on.
0: Oh, there's some smacking around in this movie.
1: Yeah, I got to say, I don't actually want to talk about this movie that we have to talk about tonight. I just want to watch it again. Okay, I I was hoping you were going to say that. I want to watch it again with everybody and stop it about every 15 seconds and say, look at that. You see what they did there? Ooh, what are, you know, I just want, but let's, we'll get to the movie. How are you? You know, I'm, uh, I'm okay. No complaints. Yeah. Yeah. How are
0: you? Anything exciting going on? Oh God, no, 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 no. I'm well, I'm uh, let's see, what am we doing? Well, there's some nice news that, you know, uh, updates on that short movie that I did
1: give, give us uh,
0: uh, we, we, this little movie keeps getting into into film festivals so now we're in a new film festival in spain and every time that happens because i'm the editor uh i'm responsible for getting all the movie parts to the festival meaning the picture sound the movie itself movie
1: right you also have to learn how to speak spanish
0: No, luckily, uh, well, not luckily, I'd like to be able to speak Spanish, but fortunately for the project, it doesn't require me to speak Spanish.
1: Oh, you know, why do I have my ear? I don't need my earpiece. I'm not on the phone right now. Uh,
0: I don't. You can do what you please. I don't. I have no, uh, you know, you can wear an earpiece. (laughs) I don't need
1: to worry about that. They wouldn't see that on the podcast. I thought
0: it was Pais. I didn't know it was an earpiece.
1: (laughs) Um you I, we had an exciting week too
0: well okay what was your what was your
1: well, you, you saved my life on on saturday night when i was choking and dying
0: well i asked how you were i don't know if that's saving your life but
1: i'll, I'll you, gladly you take it up and you were ready to give me the heimlich maneuver
0: i was ready to punch you in the stomach because i don't <laughs> really know the heimlich maneuver but i was ready to do something
1: uh, I was ready to call somebody who knew the Heimlich maneuver. I just basically wanted a fire extinguisher shoved down my throat and turned on. Well, I,
0: you know, I kind of knew you weren't choking because you were coughing and right. you have to breathe to cough. So I knew you weren't.
1: And also my my hair, what there is of it, caught on fire. Um, yes,
0: you were glowing. <laughs> and there was strange sparks coming out of your ears. But other than that. Seemed like I couldn't quite tell what the problem was, though. That was the thing. I we established you weren't choking, but then I was very confused because I'd never seen anybody do the things that you were doing. So
1: I stood up. I danced
0: around. You made noises that I'd never heard you make. Uh, You were crying.
1: That was a Um, few minutes. That was a really tough couple of minutes. Well, I mean,
0: let's just explain briefly. You inhaled a hot pepper flake,
1: a piece of a hot pepper flake went down the wrong pipe, okay. and just everything. I, it was the closest I think I've ever come to actually having a seizure. Um, you, I think you had a seizure,
0: I think it's <laughs> safe to say you've had one.
1: Okay, yeah, that's good. And then I also, um, I do have to ask you because uh, you had something to drink this week, I believe. Did
0: I? ever uh yes um it's so good uh we had a brief discussion about it we don't save everything for talking on the show but um this is a this is a really like special specialty thing and i, I i'm thrilled to be like tasting it at the at the first floor here and yeah uh, seeing where it goes it's yeah. it's really good We have I, high hope I,
1: for this beverage
0: i'm not going to um say what i guessed but i want to just some props that I guessed some of the secretive ingredients. Yes. One of the secretive ingredients, I guessed what it was.
1: Yes, you did.
0: And correctly. And see, that's you the that's the order. important You're part right. of the story. Yeah. Not just that I did it. Because anybody can do that, let's face it. Yeah,
1: I did it correctly. Yeah. I'm 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 having a, a very tough time because um I have about 15 liters of the sample product. Uh and I have to give it to people, you know. I have to give it to other people to spread the news. I just, I don't want to give it to other people. I want don't blame to blame you. and drink it. I but, don't blame um, you. So we've got to get it into production, so so we can all start enjoying it.
0: It's so good. I was really surprised. I mean, it's just, it's it's really, you know, it's really kind of unique, but not not like the kind of unique thing where you're like, wow, that's the craziest thing I've ever had. But it's good. It's really yeah. like. It's like an old friend. You're like, oh, I I feel like I've had this, but I haven't quite. Yeah. Um, I had it over rocks. It was
1: delicious. It's called Batch 22. Yes. uh, We're waiting for the trademark on that. Okay. But the trademark, that is what it's called. It's going to, it's Batch 22. And if we have to change the name, believe me, you'll hear about it here. Sure. Well. And I think, I personally think, you know, that uh, Mike Hammer might sit down and have some of that someday. Well, let's discuss whether that is a good
0: ad for Batch 22 or a bad ad for Batch 22, because there's, that's an interesting question. I, I well, can see what you you're remember,
1: saying. You remember a few weeks ago when we got into his, I forget which character it was, but I said, I like him. I think he's a good guy. <laughs> and you thought I needed to be hospitalized. Who was that we were talking about? I said he was a good fella. Oh, which, which one was that? it was just a couple of weeks ago and you said he's a sick deranged human being was it the homicidal
0: killer in in a blast of silence
1: yeah yeah i i came to his defense and said you know yes. thought of him yeah i'm going to come to mike hammer's defense i i mean i mean aside from the fact that actually what he does for a living is basically set people up so that he can blackmail them that's neither here nor there I mean, that's we don't see him do it. it. That's not the subject of the. You know, we mm. see him when he's engaged in his other endeavors, and through You're, a, mm. what, 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 through a lot of the, through a lot of this movie, he's a good guy to people.
0: You want? Let's set this up before we start yeah. throwing punches at each problems. other because this is insanity. You've already gone crazy. <laughs>
1: uh, you you do your thing. I'll, I'm going to take a nap. You talk about the movie.
0: Okay, uh, this is, uh, we're talking tonight about a film neither of us either made
1: or in or really know anybody who made or was in, except... You have one degree of separation to Ralph Meeker, the star of this movie, but we'll talk about that.
0: Oh, okay, that's really interesting. I can't wait to know what that is. I'm sure there may be others somewhere hiding in here, but I didn't know about that one. Okay, cool. Well, we're talking tonight about uh, Kiss Me Deadly from 1955, directed by Robert Aldrich um, and uh, starring Ralph Meeker, Albert Decker, Paul Stewart, and introducing to major motion pictures, Cloris Leachman. This was her first movie. She's done a lot of television, her first film. This movie was written by AI, I'm going to mispronounce this, um, uh, Bezerides. It's, a, I believe, I a Greek name. I
1: think you're probably spot on. It's a Greek fellow.
0: Bezzarides, uh, A.I. A. Bezzarides, um, wrote the screenplay. I know with Robert Aldridge's help involved, too. He was very hands-on director. And it's based on um very well-known Mickey Spillane character, a series of detective novels st- uh, with Mike Hammer as the protagonist, the detective named Mike Hammer. So
1: Yes.
0: Mike Hammer was a really big deal in the late forties and fifties and Mickey Spillane was probably the biggest writer of this hard boiled stuff at the time. Would you
1: say? Certainly one of them. Yeah.
0: Um. I mean, he was so famous that he was on television as the character, like he played, he played, he actually played Mike Hammer in a TV show. That's yep. how famous Mickey Spillane was. Yep. Um and uh as did Stacy Keach and Brian Keith a lot of people played it a lot him. of
1: people played them
0: yeah a very famous character and, and, and armando
1: santini in the movie in a movie
0: yeah um so that's the movie we're talking about Th- there's other people involved we'll talk about them as we go but um what had you seen it before Mm-mm. had you read the book or read any screenplay
1: i started the book um a few days ago i haven't finished it yet it's really great Okay, And uh, I know uh, because of other reading I've done that the movie departs significantly from the book, but at least at the very beginning, that whole sequence at the beginning of when, of the kidnapping and the, all of that, all he sees are the shoes of the people and he hears their voices. That's all straight from the book.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Straight from the book. Um did you have a good time watching this movie? I loved
1: <laughs> every single frame and moment of it. Yay. This. Yay. Um, and I I love and will come to defend the defense of this character of Mike Hammer and who okay. he is and what he stands for.
0: Let's talk about it. We're going to have a long conversation about that because that's the big that's the big show here. That's yeah. the big, that's the whole thing about this movie is this character and what they did with him in this movie and how you feel about that. So, yeah. um, well, you, you know, you know- like to, I'd actually, before, before we actually start though, this is, I'm glad you love the movie. This is a really important movie for me. Um, it wasn't my first more movie that I'd seen by a long shot. I had already loved more, norm movies and, and thought I'd seen a lot of them, but. I was still educating myself and, and about 10 years ago, I think it was, um, my really dear friend, Clark Middleton and his wife, Alyssa, uh, showed me this movie and Clark passed away this year. He was, um, uh, he, he, um, he died, uh, not COVID related. It was very tragic and sad and, uh, and, um, unexpected. And, um, so I will never think about this movie or see this movie without thinking about Clark. He, I saw it with him at his apartment. He and Alyssa showed this film to me, and he knew that I liked... He knew what I liked. He knew that I was a horror fan mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and a noir fan, but knew more about horror, and so he kind of picked this movie knowing that it would appeal to me with that sensibility, and I didn't know why, and I don't want to blow that now, but you can see what I'm saying. Like I, why. I know
1: where you're going with that.
0: Yeah. So um, this is a this is a really big movie for me, and it's really nice to get to talk about it and to think about Clark and uh, and Alyssa when you know when talking about it because uh, I you know I, he introduced me to a lot of movies, and um, this was one of my favorites. So anyway,
1: <clears throat> and I, I wasn't fortunate enough to meet Clark, but it has to it has to be said in talking about him, uh, spectacular actor. Yes,
0: truly truly one of the great actors that was working today. I, he was without without exaggeration one of the best actors I've ever ever met in my life. He he did things as an actor that uh that I'd see, you know, in theater piece too, like or in in class when he was teaching. It wasn't just from the movies. Like I got to watch him work in a lot of different ways and honestly, he he was a magician he was an absolute magician
1: yeah um so this movie this character um i'm gonna go to bat for him because you know you know my whole thing right going back to the virginian i do oxbow incident to to kill a mockingbird To this thread thread that runs through American mythology of the idea that as a society, right, in our, our political structure and our political philosophies of justice are that justice comes from the group, from the jury, from the rule of law and in our mythology the virginian said in whenever owen wister wrote that 1909 1898 whenever oh, the virginian said no man is my equal until he proves it to me and justice comes from the six gun you know so our mythology is the individual is the arbiter of justice our political system and our our uh, other philosophy is no justice comes from the group and everything goes horribly wrong in the Oxbow incident. And in, in to kill a mockingbird, everything is flipped because Atticus is the hero and he's a lawyer, but he's only able to achieve justice at the end by going against the law. And he realizes that the legal system didn't save his client and he has to let Boo Radley not stand trial for for the murder of uh, Bob Ewell because that would be a sin. blah, blah, blah blah, blah. This movie is a very dark distillation of that. You know, government is in is protecting the bad guys in this movie. And Mike Hammer has been wronged. This woman's murder must be avenged. He's been attacked. And he's gonna do what he has to do to achieve justice. And I think in this movie, he does a lot of really moral things at first before he starts slapping people around. He saves the girl. He covers for uh, he covers for uh, Elkins. He helps the old Italian guy with the he's he's busy doing nice things for people until too many things get in his way. And then he starts slapping people around like, like there's no tomorrow. Uh, I find it
0: interesting that you, have, before even describing the plot of this movie, decided to defend the main character, which implies <laughs> something important. Why would you do that? Why would you, before even talking about the movie, think that you had to go, well, I like him and I'm going to support him?
1: Well, because uh, because I thought that you were thinking he's a bad guy. I didn't say anything about it. Oh. I didn't say
0: anything about it, but it does, it, it, but that's what this is about though. I mean, the, you, you're seeing it because I think mm. that's what's, that's what this whole movie is, is really is, is about is, is an ex, examination of the archetype itself. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'd be interested to hear what Robert Aldrich had to say about your interpretation Um Everybody takes away their own thing from a movie for sure. And I think what's, what, what's great about it is that I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if I'm with him or not. I, I, I don't. And I think that that's what's really wonderfully complex about it. Just so we can, let's, let's, let's explain this to people. Mike Hammer, the character in fiction was a pretty brutal character. He was um, a very violent, um uh very womanizing like classic 50s stereotype macho guy um and mickey Spillane knew that and everybody knew that he was he that's who my camera was of all the detectives he was he was the toughest the most hardest boiled guy the least compassionate sympathetic dude that was his whole thing and I think what's great about this movie is that Aldrich wanted to comment on that character and that society because he doesn't, he's not, Aldrich, the director, wasn't a fan of 50s America. Um, He was a very liberal guy. He stood against the witch hunts and everything and this kind of fascistic, you know, what's in it for me attitude. Uh, He saw all over this thing and said well let's make the movie but let's let's really expose this let's really expose it and show him for what he really is but to do that effectively he knew you had to kind of put a lot of gray area in it too so it's amazing about this guy and you really you really brought up the key thing about this movie for me which is is what is this man that america has made like what 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 have we created he's kind of the frankenstein monster in this to me then he's he's a product of his times, and his behavior as a detective, and he can hide behind all of that moral code stuff. But just as a person, his interactions with other human beings, outside of a couple very key, interesting, pointed um, exceptions, is callous, brutal uh and and
1: you're troubled you're troubled for instance by the fact that he sends eddie Vavavum on an errand that that gets him killed and then when he's killed he's kind of like huh and walks away
0: but honestly that <coughs> huh is the most emotion he shows in the movie like well, he's upset, he goes and gets right.
1: drunk and toasts the guy. No, I'm
0: more I'm more talking about the the main character who literally pimps his girlfriend's secretary out to the bad guys to get information. Well, you got me there. <laughs> I mean, that's not see what's cool about this movie is that it doesn't play cute about that. Like it, it 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 makes very plainly clear that's what he
1: does. Yes, on the other hand, he also, when she's saying, "I love you, I, he doesn't make her do it. She's constantly saying, "I love you, I love you, maybe someday I will pin you down." He doesn't say, "Oh yeah, baby, someday that he is he is a hundred percent honest with her about who he is. and she tags along for the ride because she wants to. Cause she has hopes that someday she'll convert this wild animal. Okay. But if if you fall in love with the wild animal, that's on you.
0: I I well again, I I I I I mean there's a lot to talk about. The fact that you that you admire this man is something I would have kept private. I would I'm have kept, would have kept be, it to myself.
1: I'm gonna that's... be canceled after the <laughs> show actually.
0: Yeah. Um um well I'm fired maybe. let's let's put it this way. Look, we're talking about a movie where where Ralph Meeker as the detective this is nineteen fifty five this is this is at the end of the real Noir like this is one of the last like I think of the actual technical literal noir phase of movies. It's coming near the end of it, yeah um pop art is starting to become a part of it, you know, uh, and beatniks and different kinds of interests and stuff. So this detective world is not really as intriguing to the audiences, I guess. And they're phasing them out a little bit, but this was really trying to adapt to the times a little bit. And it does, do you know the movie, um, uh, the long goodbye,
1: the, the, uh, Robert uh, Altman movie, Elliot Gould, one. Elliot Gould. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's another movie I adore. I love. And it would this would be a great double bill with that because there's so many similar things. And there's a lot of things I think Altman was like riffing on as regards just to this movie itself.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of tough
0: guys, Elliot Gould, you know. Right. But oh. I mean, that was the similar kind of deconstruction. <laughs> I think that, you know, what makes this movie so great is that Robert Aldrich is it's the combination of these elements. You got Mickey Spillane, who on one hand is this, you know, incredibly brutal, raw, but moral guy, like supposedly moral. Like he's he's got the code, but he's just he'll do anything to to follow that code. He doesn't really have any compunctions. Right. Um, code, but no morals. So you've got this book written by that guy who a lot of left-wingers were calling kind of a fascist at the time. Yeah. And then you've got Aldrich who was very much a left-winger and friends of people who had been blacklisted and very much against that established thing. Um, making this movie uh, and kind of getting hired to do this film. It was one of his first big movies. It was the first, I guess, I don't know if it was a hit or not actually but it was one of the first films he'd gotten to do out of TV and how he was just able to say what he wanted to say about the times and the culture and about all of it, the violence of the fifties and everything and how irredeemable he felt these people were, but yet create a character who also was this, was also mythic the way that these characters had always been. It's kind of a magic act, you know? I mean, he's a really complicated hero, an uh, anti-hero to follow around because he's really an anti-hero like in many respects. Um if a hero is somebody who does things because they're doing it for the right reasons, Spillane is somebody who's doing it either to get something that he wants or to solve a case. But you never really get the feeling like he cared about cloris Leechman. He's doing it bec- for for a code, not for anything that warms his heart.
1: No, it's more because they beat him up and ruined sure hard. than they, exactly yeah exactly you know, he
0: exactly. says like what's in it for me several times in this film and yeah. and that's kind of what he that's what he's about yeah it um, crossed me but here you know this sounds kind of like a turnoff so if anybody's listening to this who hasn't seen it and is thinking about whether they're gonna see it after we totally spoil yeah. it like we do everything you know understand like this movie is ahead of you in so many ways. Um, It's not the movie you think it's going to be. It involves elements that were literally will blow your mind. Like my head fell off my neck when I saw this movie the first time and it rolled around on the floor. Like when, when the big reveal happens, I, I I really, I, my head exploded.
1: Cause like, There are things in this movie, though, if you threw out the entire plot of this movie, it's worth watching. I mean, cinematically, it's insane. It's insanely good. You know, uh,
0: Aldrich is an interesting director for me because I I came to him a little bit later. um, And I think there's a reason for that. He's not as celebrated as some of the other directors were at the time because I think he was such a left sympathizer. Um, I don't think he was blacklisted, but he was, uh, you know, uh, a a real a real left winger and a sympathetic guy and and classically like ran his sets uh, with total like dignity for other people. And everybody on the crew loved like just everybody wanted to work for Aldrich because he just treated everybody great. And he really believed in that actors just wanted to work with him. He's just a beloved guy and did more for the director's guild than any other director i think he, really? he was responsible for directors having any rights at all um i think he made a lot of enemies because of that and because of the dga stuff and i think it hampered his career a little bit i mean the guy that made the dirty dozen whatever happened to baby jane this movie and the several others that i could name i mean I. The, it, these are incredible films and this movie in particular is like, Mm. I feel like it's like the last word on noir. Like it's almost like, yep, that's the final, that's, that's it. Yeah. We don't need to talk
1: about that anymore.
0: You know, in that way that, um,
1: I wasn't actually saying we didn't need to talk about it anymore. I was saying like, that's what (laughs) the movie was saying. We don't need to talk. It was an awkward pause. I was like, Oh,
0: Matthew just told me to shut up.
1: No, no, um, I was saying we don't. Shows need to, over, guys. Sorry. No, I was saying the Moved movie. Says, should have told you. The movie says we don't need to talk about noir anymore. Yeah, pretty I, much. We're, I've, we're saying it all right here. Interesting. Uh,
0: yes. So I would like to sidebar and go to, on a little trip with you and talk about other movies that did that for you. Can you name other movies that that were like you know what that's that's it? They don't have to. They don't really have to make another one of those again because this. This is the last one they had to make.
1: Uh, um, I don't know.
0: Um,
1: uh, I, yeah, let me give you an example. Okay, I found,
0: I found this to be very, very much like the movie Unforgiven, that Clint Eastwood movie, right? Similar main <clears throat> character, somebody that. It's impossible to get behind in a way because they're just not they're 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 bad news. They're like they're bad news. But somewhere is also mixed in that that mythology that makes them impossible to ignore. And it's just a perfect ex- examination of of this of this this American character that's, you know, totally. Maddie Whip. Maddie Blake is in the house. Fantastic. Yeah, Harry Blake from Rated P for Paranormal. We love Maddie Blake in the house. lifa No more cop buddy movies. It's over. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Um, although we wouldn't have Running Scared with, uh, you know, I don't know. Our- I
1: can't talk about cop buddy movies without talking about Freebie and the Bean. I gotta give freebie. And yeah, the but beans. freebie came oh. first.
0: So, so yeah. lethal weapon. That was they could stop after lethal weapon. Okay, all right. So, what about the
1: the the good guys?
0: The good guys is is a deconstruction of it, so it doesn't count. Oh, all right. Jeez, Louise. That's what I'm saying. It's strict. I just I know what the rules are. I'm not strict. I don't make the rules. You're I just strict. know what they are.
1: You're very strict.
0: Um, I would love to. Say whatever you want to say. Do you have something you want to say? I want to
1: talk about stairs.
0: Tell me. Speak to me.
1: Well, I, I don't know what we can talk about. We can look at pictures of stairs for There's a lot. A lot of in this movie. There's a lot of stairs in this movie. a lot of stairs in this movie. So um, I, for those of you in the podcast, um, I, I well, you're just going to have to go to our website and look at the collection of stair photographs
0: well they'll be on instagram
1: oh they'll be on instagram yeah we'll, we'll, we'll put them on instagram why not yeah okay so um i want to go to we've got the stairs here so there's one shot of stairs 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 Stairs. Well, it's Angel's Flight, but that's stairs with a trolley on them so that you don't have to climb the stairs. More stairs. 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 St- a woman coming downstairs. The stairs at the beach house. Some of those stairs. Those down. are the best Somebody stairs. Thrown down. The longest long flight of stairs, stairs in the world. In the world. In that's that's
0: the shot of Dim. Look at this. Oh my and God. More,
1: more stairs. Yeah. I mean, it is. So what's that about? What are they talking about there?
0: I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Just
1: saying that for Mike Hammer, life has its ups and downs, you know, (laughs) it's not. And framing, there's also amazing framing in this, in this movie.
0: Well, the the photography is really stunning. It's, it's remarkable. And I was nerding out. I would seen this before and I was nerding out watching it again this time with the commentary on the, on the on the disc and these guys were really smart and we're talking about it i should know what their names are i won't we'll put it in the notes i guess but um
1: <laughs> we're not but we're you know not professionals
0: they were talking about everything but the stairs I, I don't know why they didn't uh elaborate i mean i don't know i think uh it's it, it, they're definitely like visually dynamic and they create that kind of ability to you know, to give vertigo to the audience and kind of do crazy angles that make the, the world and the environment just feel um, a little bit more cockeyed. And then you've got the banisters, which make great shadows and spider web kind of things. And you, you've got the whole concept of like the characters striving to climb up or descending down into hell. You right. know, there's that goes that
1: all that Can we talk about, um, can we talk about incredibly long shots? Yeah. That don't cut.
0: Notable for that. Yeah, really notable. That um great scene at the uh at the boxing ring at the gym. That, you that know,
1: starts with that guy and follows him all the way out, on, and then we pick up Mike coming in, and it just goes on and on that scene.
0: Amazing. I think that actor was Juano Hernandez. Yes. Um he was spectacular. He was terrific and in a lot of movies and stuff. Um
1: and Blake Edwards stole the cigar gag for from him. From him for Victor Victoria. How about Struther Martin as a young man? Oh my god, that scene is is breathtaking.
0: Yeah. Extraordinary. I mean, all these little performances with with all this gold going on, just Phenomenal Marion Carr. I mean, fantastic.
1: That's and- right. Fr- That's right. Fr- she's played Friday. Yeah, right? she played Friday. She's got one of my favorite lines in the movie. Yes. Uh, uh, the uh, you don't taste She kisses my hammer. They've just met. She just walks up to him and starts making out with him. Mm-hmm. Leans back and she says, You don't taste like anybody I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Great line. You know, just crazy. Great, great line. And, the, and the, going back to the stairs when he climbs all those stairs up to that apartment and he gets in and he looks at the landlady and he says, Can get a heart attack walking up here. She says, Who invited you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you get lines like, you know,
0: where the 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 the, the older wife is trying to talk over the oh, husband wait, that, I, got, I, have that
1: clip. I have that clip.
0: Please, let's show that now. This is if you want to see what kind of guy this is.
1: This is uh let me find this clip here. Um uh, yeah, you keep to- talk say something interesting while I'm finding the clip here.
0: Um well, did you know that that Aldrich was related to to the Rockefellers? He I didn't came not. into this
1: world a very rich man. Oh wow. Okay, I have the clip. Here we go. Oh okay. He is um he's looking, he shows up in an apartment building looking for somebody. And uh here we go. Speaking of framing, there's a boom in this shot. I want to see the super. What can I do for you? There's a card on the mailbox there. Christina Bailey. The
0: police have already been through
1: her apartment. He told you the police have already been through her apartment. I want to go through her apartment. Ask him who he is, Horace. Tell her to shut up. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Tell her to shut up. Tell her to shut up. (laughs) He's just
0: the bluntest person. Like, there's zero... He doesn't suffer anybody for five seconds. He doesn't have time to be cute. He's just like wants you to shut up. He's gonna be like shut your face, and if you don't, he's gonna punch you so hard, yeah, that you're gonna fall on your tukus. Yeah, tell your wife to shut. <laughs> it's like tell your wife to shut up. Yeah, it's so funny because it's like it's like film noir tough guy stuff boiled down to its most essential uh, isotopes. Shall yeah,
1: say. yeah it's just um <laughs> Tell her to shut up shut up um, um that's uh James McCallion and Jesslyn fax as the excellent. landlord and 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 uh, and his wife um uh, can we can we just go into some other i want to talk about some of the smaller well first let's talk about Meeker well that's he's my from what's that you know where he comes from
0: Uh, I don't know I know, know other than his work I don't really know much about him
1: well okay your connection with him is he starred as Hal in the original Broadway production of Picnic by William Inge directed by Josh Logan with Eileen Heckert no kidding okay yeah interesting and there is a clip um and i will put the link for this in in the description of the the show there is a clip of a scene from the play an eight minute scene from the original broadway production of of um picnic that was performed on the ed sullivan show and you can watch it on youtube and it's ralph meeker as hal eileen heckert uh kim stanley and janice rule wow and it's one of it 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 just shows you how great theater use i mean just picnic's one of my favorite american plays um but so he uh he really rose to stardom from that and then uh went on to other great things so that
0: connection for those of you who who care is uh i did a play with i did a well i mean we got to explain why with sidebar happened is that yeah. it, i did a play with eileen Heckert, um called waverly gallery and uh exactly. he was a great great lady and one of the great actresses and and uh and um so i yeah so i'm uh i'm um i have something in common with the with ralph
1: meeker he also was the second stanley kowalski Oh, that's that makes sense. He took over for Brando in the original Broadway
0: production. That makes sense. He's a good actor and he's really um he really like uh he gave himself completely over to this character, I think. Um I know him from Paths of Glory, of course. Right. Um he's also in uh, The Naked Spur and Dirty Dozen and uh he was just a fifties a classic fifties guy. Great looking guy. I mean, just as handsome as hell oh yeah and um probably like for looks like matched what you'd think of hammer being more than anybody to me he to me he is like the the, the he is my camera like I can't after seeing this version of my camera I can't really I can't really see anybody else in the part right okay. um he just owns it I um I'd love to show. Can we show the opening because you know this movie is so freaky, weird. There, uh, I think there he is. There's, there's Ralph Meeker. Wait, but up. the opening is cool because it's it's also got great music behind it. Yeah, which is a song that comes back again, like it does in um, Altman's movie as well. So, which is I think maybe where he may have got the idea.
1: All right, so here we so go. So these are the credits. Check this out. And now, fellas. Buy a new platter by Nat King Cole. I'd rather have the blues. <laughs>
0: Tonight is chilly And conversation seems pretty silly I feel so mean and wrought. I'd rather have to be than I've got. I don't know. It might. It might be the. My, my, it's probably my favorite credits sequence ever. This film. It. It. It really blew. Blew me away when I first saw it. Every time I see it, it, it kind of amazes me. For those of you who aren't watching it, we can see it. The credits roll backwards in this in a way that that had never been done before. Only a few people have done it since, but this was the first time anybody had done this. the characters are driving a car at night and through the windshield, you see the the road ahead, really grimy, black and white, very dark. And the credits roll literally backwards, like the wrong way. and they're actually written the wrong way, the way that street signs would come at you on the road, right. And what happens is it makes it look like all the letters are, are just dropping down into hell and everything is just starts off with the most like, this really unsettling vibe. You know, I mean, the, the lettering is wrong. It's, it's, it's disturbing to look at it because it's going the wrong way. And then you've got Cloris Leachman crying. It's like crying and sobbing over, over
1: this, this nat king cole song i mean the cognitive it's a, it's a beautiful nat king cole song and what what nat king cole is saying is she's getting into his car is i'd rather have the blues than what i've got you yeah know? it's like yeah. the beginning of things not going it, well it, it's just like everything
0: um everything is promised in that in that credit sequence and to me just delivers over and over and over again until the conclusion... I, I don't want to spoil this movie. I really think it would be a crime to spoil it, even, even though it's from 1955. Do you mind, like, not giving away what this is? Or do you want to?
1: Well, I mean, I was going to show the photograph at the end that that if if you don't see... I I would bet everything I have that you that one of your favorite directors stole one of the best moments from one of the well, you're about, talking about Pulp Fiction. No, no. I'm talking about I'm talking about a movie that I took you to see in Bedford Hills. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. That there's a moment at the end of this movie that Spielberg stole a shot that he stole directly from this movie. Yeah, so, yes. So you don't necessarily have to show it, but I have to know that you... No, wait, go,
0: go ahead. I recognize you, and yes, that is absolutely right, man. Um, it's absolutely good. I mean, uh, but think about the briefcase in Pulp Fiction.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, basically, uh, after watching this movie, I showed my classes... The cl- this clip from the movie yesterday, okay, and talked about razors of the lost Ark <laughs> and Pulp Those are the two. Those are the well, two. That's fantastic. Yeah, that are directly from this moment, Um and it's it's incredible.
0: do oh, look at the light, Marion. It's so beautiful.
1: Crazy, crazy,
0: yeah. crazy. So good. Um So good. This movie goes
1: I could it, not believe it when when it got there and I saw it. It's like what, <laughs> what? God's earth is happening? That's what this movie is about.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is um it's such a great deconstruction and you know the other thing about it is that you know I don't even I don't want to fully talk about the end that gave enough away but like to su- suffice it to say that the reason why i feel like this is the last noir movie like final word mic drop on real noir is because it it like goes we're in a new age now it's like age age the age of the detectives is over we're now in the we're now in the 50s modern jet set atomic age now officially right. so like
1: mike hammer meets godzilla
0: it's star trek
1: now the next now. movie
0: yeah and uh to to decide like i don't know it's to decide to make such a bold move with a beloved character like that and really show the dark side of la underworld stuff and the brutality of these heroes like you know yeah maybe cowboys were great guys but they also were they also were bloodthirsty murdering bastards. A lot of them and shot just shot people. Well, so it's yeah. like what's great about this movie is that it, it it shows you without without playing any cute games, it just shows you exactly what this is. Yeah. It doesn't pretend he's not brutal, but it also shows him doing a lot of nice things. Like he actually will help help an old man with the with his luggage up a flight of stairs or you know, his, he's actually f- more friendly with kind of like down and out or immigrant people who he knows in LA than with like sophisticated types. He definitely his best friend is a mechanic from from Italy, and um, he frequents like this this uh, a black nightclub where he just likes the music and he likes the atmosphere. And they know
1: him, and he's completely yeah, he's a regular there. there. So yeah.
0: he's not; he has no affectation, and I think you can admire the fact that he actually doesn't go for any fancy nonsense and he he doesn't he's not into uh, anything um phony with his with his personal life but he's so fractured that you you don't really ever understand and i think one mm-hmm. of the things that may be a key to him is something that's not discussed in this movie at all but that's really in the core of all noir is that meeker's character is is the byproduct of a war uh, you know is the is is a man who has been through a world war he was through yeah. world war Two. it's 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 just an it's just a fact of i think of people men of that age who are in that kind of lifestyle of cops or what that they probably were in the war right and i think because this film came out only 10 years after the war was over it was still in the air but didn't have to be addressed directly I think there's something that people can kind of go, Oh, something happened to this guy. He has an idealism somewhere, but it got broken somehow and <laughs> never got repaired. And then after the war, it just became like, what's in it for me? What can I do for me? Cause I'm right. going to have a cool car and I'm going to be a cool guy and I don't care about anybody else. But these little t- tells like, his attraction to classical music. There's something that he likes about culture, even though he's pretends he doesn't.
1: And that goes to the whole film. There's these amazing. The, can we talk about some of the smaller roles?
0: Yes. You know, Kaiser, the Kaiser role, for instance, was wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. I love a good Kaiser role. No, but um, the 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 um, the Italian opera singer.
0: Oh, fantastic!
1: Right from um, Fortunio Bonanova from
0: Citizen Kane.
1: From Citizen Kane, plays plays her teacher in Citizen Kane. Susan Alexander's vocal coach, um, Percy Helton as the medical examiner, an actor who you've seen a a, a million and one times, who I think is um Wally, Wally Cox's dad must be Wally Cox's dad, right? Because there's sort of like a direct line between. <laughs> Seems that way. Percy Elton and Wally Cox, right? A young, a young kind of handsome Jack Elam, almost pulling it together in the almost, handsome department. Yeah, yes, yeah. just, just uh, you know, uh, we talked about Struther Martin already. Um,
0: Jack Elam, for those of you who don't know, is is the famous, famous actor from a lot of Sergio Leone westerns and a lot of westerns who had a who had a, a cocked eye, like one of his eyes looked a very different direction. And he, yeah. he used it to great effect in his film. Great
1: effect. Maddie Comfort, who plays the singer in the in the well. Club.
0: We have to okay. Yes. Amazing. And what a person here. A little history there. A little history about yeah. her. Yeah. Can we play this, the clip of the song of her
1: singing the song? Yeah, except here's the mystery. I'm not actually sure that that's her singing. It might be some because there is somebody named Kitty White who is credited as the club singer. And there isn't any other club singer in the movie.
0: Is is Matt is she credited? Is Maddie Comfort credited?
1: She's credited as as the as as, as an actor, and I and I think Kitty White might have. Even though Maddie Comfort was a singer, it might have been Kitty White. Oh, there's some mystery of student- my guess is that it probably
0: had more to do with some union thing where they had to switch it around because why would they have cast her without having her sing? I, I she don't was understand Skellington's girlfriend and like. And, one of the great singers and doll and, and satin doll was written for her. So yeah, I about, think about her, my guess is they let her sing. That's like, it must've been that they couldn't credit her properly. I would
1: imagine, you know, I, I would love to know the answer to that. Frank. I, I searched for the answer and couldn't find it, but because I see this, this woman, Kitty white credited who was a jazz singer and I can't find her in the movie. There isn't another club no, thing That there.
0: is really strange because yeah. uh, I can't understand why that would have happened or why you would have cast
1: this woman. Here we with many Comfort. Yeah, let's watch this. Okay. The night is mighty chilly And conversation seems pretty sad I feel so mean and brought. I'd rather have the blues than what I've got. The room is dark and gloomy. You don't know what.
0: I I don't know, you know, I'm ashamed to say I I don't know her voice well enough to really know whether that's her or not. Maybe it would be obvious if you knew better, but I don't. Anyway, she's a really great scene and like such a refreshing, different approach to the nightclub scene in the Nora movie. Um, It's, it's usually a a white woman singing first of all in those clubs. And um, they're usually clubs that are trying to put on airs, you know, and be fancy kind of uptown clubs. And this, um, this was really different. And, uh, and in every case you feel like Aldrich was shooting the LA that he knew and, just the way that um, they did in blast of silence shooting the New York that they, that they actually knew and lived in, you know, it has that same quality and it's all location,
1: this movie,
0: a lot of location work, but I mean, you know, all the interiors were studio. Um, That's something I, I do know short, short schedule. But a ton of exteriors, man, and a, yeah. and a lot of actual like nighttime street exteriors in LA. Yeah, which was incredible. That crazy scene where he he gets followed and then beats up the dude that's following him. Yeah, which is our big reveal that he's actually like not to be messed around with. Like, yeah, Ralph Meeker takes care of business in the dark alley. That's like, just don't mess with this guy very quickly. And he then like he then proceeds to beat this man. Disarm him, beat him some more, and throw him down like that three hundred foot f- flight of stairs. You saw it's just it's just doesn't stop.
1: Those kinds of stairs that they only have in Los Angeles. Yeah,
0: just he's like, on a, yeah. he's like the Terminator. He yeah. just keeps punching at people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And then um. Uh, oh, I don't know. I I I I was I was just like amazed at at the at at the the nighttime locations on.
1: Usually, you see backlot stuff
0: at night. In yeah. LA. you're not yeah. seeing the real thing. Um, okay, who, well, else who else did you like? Who else did you
1: like? Well, uh, the old Italian mover dude.
0: Great, was, right?
1: Yeah, who Gula. helps with the bag? Great. Yeah, who was uh, Silvio Minciotti. He uh, has a
0: stunning close-up at the end of that scene.
1: Oh yeah, and Wesley Addy as his oh, the cop Wesley Addy who's in everything. And he's just a horrible guy. All of the women: Maxine Cooper, Cloris Leachman, and Gabby Rogers. All Gabby Rogers is a revelation in this movie. Yeah, and and there's some some. I have a collection of photographs I want to go through. Okay, to talk about. Do uh, it because there are some. There's just some great, which, where is it? Here, hold on. Did I shut? Did I close the wrong thing? No, there it is. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, let's share this. Set okay, so here is, again, uh, a photograph of the titles, which I just uh, put together because it says, And introducing Maxine Cooper as Velda, Cloris Leachman as Christina, Gabby Rogers as Carver, all three of those women making their screen debuts. It's incredible. They're all spectacular. It's
0: incredible. Yeah. I mean, they're all all remarkable. Cloris Leachman, of course, doesn't have a very big part in this movie uh, for for good reasons, and it's too bad in a way. But uh, Gabby Rogers, to me, was the big surprise here. Like she gave she she's she showed up in this movie and i i i was like where wait a minute why why doesn't everybody why isn't she like kim stanley famous like right. why doesn't everybody know who this person is fantastic
1: so then here's a nice shot of just hammer being Be- hammer hammer time beefcake right. hammer time hammer time then we see here's hammer's apartment with Cameras hanging on the wall. It's like a great shot tells us so much about who this guy is, right? Set of cameras hanging on the wall. New TV. Bar right front and center and a TV. This is a bachelor pad of the time. Mid-century modern, right? It's just very... Yep. And you could also argue a little too perfect
0: uh, in on purpose. Like a yep. little Patrick Bateman to be yeah. honest
1: a little bit we don't there's no personality in there.
0: yeah like there's no there's love no here it's no clinically well done yeah and it also somehow
1: may be a little
0: for show yeah. like you know so right. it's fast it's a brilliant art direction then just this picture because i love the framing great framing you know that's a that's the shot that the boom appears there's a boom that comes into this shot that's very sad i it don't is.
1: know that than just great lighting when, when he meets and definitely good aim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't look too comfortable. Best yeah, aim that. in a motion picture. Yeah, there you go. And uh, more great lighting. Oh, of
0: I got the, out of the way.
1: Yes. An the gun, right. And another thing of light when he walks in and the two guys are in the dark and he doesn't see them. I call this shot. Unexpected visitors. Um, this, I, I threw in there because I just love the fact that all of the, a lot of the driving stuff was real, wasn't process.
0: Well, yeah, a lot of it was all the stuff from behind them.
1: Yes, yeah. It's real
0: camera mounts on the back of the car. What's really <laughs> remarkable though. And it's good, it's cool that you yeah. noticed that in the opening, for instance, at night when he picks up Chloris Leachman and they're in that same convertible and you're driving around with them. They have shots from behind them in fact the entire credit sequence when the credits go backwards is behind right. them from this shot angle yeah. um every time they cut in in that sequence to the two shot from the windshield it's a process shot but look how well done those are yeah incredible they're, they're cutting between a process shot in a, in a studio with real footage in the same car flipped around on a real road. And you right. can't, really, you tell can't really tell the difference. He does a better job with it than Hitchcock ever did with a process shot.
1: Then Mike Hammer uh, actually has a girlfriend who has a stripper pole in her home that she practices on. Yeah. Now, she is ostensibly doing ballet but it's not like a
0: ballet I pole I know
1: a lot about ballet but I know There's that no this pole. actress as wonderful as she is never actually studied ballet
0: there is no pole in ballet
1: not not like that the 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 one the horizontal one is in ballet bar. But she's not working with this that. Bar. The, this is a pole yeah, this is a pole and so yeah brilliant but this shot blew my mind and where he meets the woman who we think is a victim and he has a long scene with her long talk with her. And we think this is the woman who he is going to rescue. And it's the woman who ends up being the baddie, batty, batty. And at the end of the scene, she sits down on that bed and sort of crawls and is hidden by those suitcases hidden from the camera which is a very, I remember watching it and saying, that is really odd. And it's not, it's clearly not a mistake. What are they telling us with that shot? Well,
0: I mean, yeah, why would I mean, you
1: frame a shot that way to have the main character, the subject of the shot, hidden from the camera? Yeah. What, I there's,
0: you know, uh, uh, there's, uh, it's open to your interpretation. It's saying no. something for real. What, what's interesting about this to me too is that, and what's slightly frustrating is that even more than 10 years later, another director got credit for a shot very much like this. So when people see shots like this, they always think of Roman Polanski who did it in Rosemary's baby, right? There's a famous scene in that where, um, Right, it's ruth gordon takes a phone call in a bedroom in it kind of down the hall and uh she picks up the phone and sits down on the bed and but kind of goes out of frame like she the door the doorway cuts her off and you only see like the phone cord and her leg on the bed right and the camera just stays there and um you know, famously, the DP said, you know, don't you want to move the camera over uh, to get her in the shot? And Polanski said, no, no, this is exactly what we do. We keep it just like this. And when they showed that film in the theater, apparently early on, uh, when that shot happens, the entire audience started trying to leaning around to the right because they wanted to see around the door. They couldn't, of course, because it was in a the theater. But right, it, it compels you to try to look around and to look deeper into the image because you're something's being withheld from Something you being hidden so yeah. but anyway aldrich is doing stuff like that in 55 and doesn't get the, the credit, credit for that that he deserves it's just an extraordinary
1: shot amazing and then i just had to throw this in there jack elam come on what a face what a great actor incredible incredible um so that's my my little collection of of photos that you can throw up on uh insta tomorrow i'll put some up for sure yeah um Um, another performance that this guy is uncredited in the movie is um uh oh wait Now where i have it written down Uh, look at me did i mess up the um the uh he has two of my favorite lines in the movie. It must be under my favorite lines. Yes, favorite lines. Um, uh, the only thing I ever picked up when I off the road is poison ivy. The fel- the 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 the, uh, the guy at the gas station. Gas station guy. The yeah. Gas station guy. And 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 then when he when the when when Hammer pulls in and says it's pulling to the it's pulling to the right he's got a woman in the car who's clearly got nothing on under her trench coat and he says the it's pulling to the right you know see what's going on and he pulled the the gas station guy pulls a branch out that's stuck under the the right front wheel and he says uh oh yeah picked up a piece of branch when he took that little uh trip off the side of the road (laughs) clearly a little double on ponder there yeah that guy was spectacular and he's credited it's full of really
0: good performances and characters that you don't really you didn't really see a lot in the 50s you know um you know roles with um you know very just kind of like open casting and and um just meeting a lot of uh, uh, of immigrant characters and and just characters that you don't usually hear from, you know, it's just, it's just really cool. And I think a testimony to, from what I've read to uh, Aldrich and his, the way that he liked to work, you know, he was just consciously trying to be, um, uh, I, I don't know, as they say, kind of, of, kind of woke at the time. And um, uh, it's always nice to just kind of think back to the people that, that we're trying to push this forward uh you know half a century ago um so good for you robert aldrich even if matthew does think that your villain is the sweetest sweetheart of
1: sweethearts it's my kind of guy he's my kind of dude what's in it for me what's in it for me they're so likable those guys yeah yeah um I'm trying to think if there's other stuff I want to talk about here.
0: Um, well, we could talk about the fact that, you know, you like him because he's got the code and he's a hero and he solves the problem, but he doesn't because he actually, by the end, if at the second, like the second, this movie's over, a whole other movie starts and, and he basically messed up big time. So there's a whole, like, give people a chance to see this movie. Then we can come back and talk about your hero. And, in fact, what the final result of his investigation was.
1: Just a, a little house fire.
0: Yeah. little house fire. He didn't even get his money. That's true. He didn't get his money. It's such a great... You know what I'd call this? So we can be fancy on the show. Okay. What? I would call this a great deconstruction of the uh, detective uh, the hero
1: myth. Oh, you're so fancy. I'm um, going to give you another piece of evidence for him being a good guy. Right. All right. All right. Friday, the the girl who just walks up to him and starts making out with him out of nowhere. Yeah. He says to her, she says, I like to be friendly. And he says, one of the best ways to be friendly is to know when to say no. Right
0: anything that you say that he does that you like is because he doesn't take advantage of her because it doesn't suit it doesn't serve him to okay don't mistake him you know like every you will notice too that like oh people go well he helped that old guy with the luggage but he needed something from that guy he needed information from him so he'll do something like that oh for instance he's a good guy because he he won't sexually attack
1: you uh, yeah. if it's not convenient that's a good that's a great guy okay so what you're saying is that his personality is defined maybe maybe more by something like this <laughs> may i help you sir this key what's it for are you a member sir no just tell me about the key pardon me sir if you're not a member Now tell me about the key. It's a locker key. Whose? Just a minute, sir. <laughs>
0: ah, and he takes the money. That's what I love yeah, about he this. think oh, like he takes it back. He's not messing around. Well, you
1: didn't tell me. 10-year membership, sir. Take me through
0: it. Yes, sir. He's gonna need that money for new dentures, that old guy. It's terrible. It's absolutely amazing. It's so brutal.
1: He should have told him what he needed to tell. Apparently, apparently so. Yeah. No, um. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah. It, it,
0: it is, it's, it's why, why the movie is so cool too is that it is, you know, it's, it gives you that thrill of that illicit thrill of like, you know, oh, what would it be like to be a tough guy? You know, yeah.
1: it's a terrible thing that guys I do that. I want to do what he did in that scene 15 times a day.
0: Well, that's, that's the beauty of these movies and the problem with, you know, the problem with men and the, a and the lot of things.
1: <laughs> um, um, I, I also love that in the, in the scene where he's in the, in the, uh, the, the, uh, changing room at the swimming pool and they send in Jack Elam and the other fella. Great. Uh, I was going to bring this up to, to teach him a lesson. Uh, we don't see what he does to sugar no. We just see we see sugar go out of frame we hear something Ooh. and we see the guy fall to the ground and jack elam runs Well, and we see jack elam's reaction like, to whatever terrified
0: whatever it is that ralph meeker did to his friend is yeah. so messed up that he literally <laughs> like goes what and he leaves the room yeah it's fantastic yeah i will say that that that's a really good point and it was one thing that these uh, noir historians were talking about in uh, analyzing that scene i can't take credit for this one but they picked it out and they, it corroborates your thing about that is one of the elements that aldrich uses to make him mythological because he still is a mythological figure in this movie and one of the techniques they use there is by not actually showing the audience what he does, they keep it off camera. You see the effect of it, though, and, and it only it's
1: takes a split second. It's not like there's a big fight. It's it's just no, but simultaneously uh, something happens.
0: Yeah, but by withholding that, they literally make him a myth- mythological character. Yeah, like it's little tricks like that they yeah.
1: use. Because for all you know, he went like this, you know, right. like, boom. But I mean,
0: any movie that's going to start like that with the credits rolling backwards and somebody crying over a Nat King Cole song. I mean, like if you were to tell me if you were to say what movie starts like that, I'd be like, obviously, the new David Lynch movie, like like, obviously something really arty and weird and out there. But don't don't be mistaken. That's what this is. I think this movie really is that, you know, uh, arty and weird and out there. It's just about L.A. in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah.
1: well, LA's still a little bit like that.
0: It is. It is. You know? No doubt. Um, I love the little details, the little like little puns that he puts in there too. Like how he um he actually athwarts that guy in the alleyway who's following him by throwing popcorn in his face. Yeah. Which is actually kind of ridiculous, but it works because it's just kind of a distraction. And then he starts to pummel his head into a wall. Um <laughs> And then he drops, the the guy drops the switchblade and it falls on the ground and they have this insert shot of him, just like this really clean pop art, like clean shot of a switchblade and a guy's hand coming down and there's just popcorn all over the ground. And I always loved that shot and realized on this viewing, like, oh, that's like, he's talking about movies.
1: Uh... The
0: popcorn is clearly referencing movies and pop art. And there's a lot of little clues like that. For instance, here's another thing that for each of you.
1: Maddie Blake wants to know for each of us, who, if anyone, is the most Mike Hammer inspired TV or film character to come after? You know, who's a little like uh, Hammer? Early Bond.
0: Yeah, Bond is Bond is similar.
1: I mean Bond Bond's on work. a mission, though. I mean he's working for mm-hmm. on His Majesty's Secret Service, but in the sense of that, he's not nice to anybody. Early Bond, no. Early right. Bond, Connery
0: Bond. I, I would say that Clint. I mean, Dirty Harry is also to me a, a clear in the clear lineup. He's a cop, not a detective, so there's a big difference there. But yeah, you know, and Clinton, you know, Unforgiven. I, I think also too um maddie you know i'd be interested to think you you may have somebody in mind maddie so if if you uh think of it type it in because i'd love to hear what you what your thoughts are on that too um yeah i immediately go to uh to clint um and i guess jack reacher should have been that if he made it to movies
1: yeah except jack Jack really does have a code of like treating people right.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Forget he, I said
1: anything. Yeah. No.
0: He's a very. I'll stick to the odd movies.
1: <laughs> I'll stick to
0: talking about the odd movies, Matthew. <laughs> um. Oh, one thing I did want to point up, and I'm going to put this in the Instagram uh, pictures. But okay, uh, when Cloris Leachman gets tortured and dies. Cause she, and it's not really spoiling anything. It happens in like, the yeah, minutes. <clears throat> they get kidnapped very early on. He's beaten, she's tortured and she's killed. Um, and then he's dumped out on the street. Basically there's a shot of him after he's been beaten up and he's kind of lying on this bed in this safe house somewhere. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you can see Cloris Leachman's feet. Yeah. In the background of that shot. Yeah, she's hanging or in a chair with high legs and her feet are kind of dangling right on top of the shot. You can hear her screaming. It's really awful. It's a really uncomfortable, very dark and very violent scene for that period. Yeah. Also, when the guy comes into the shot and he's clearly he's got a pair of uh, of rat like rat like a ratchet pliers or some kind of like lock pliers in his hand, which he's been using you realize to torture her it's really yeah. messed up for 1955 yeah. so those um, legs dangling in the top they come back again did you see those legs again when, when he goes into the house that her apartment and that what? older couple lets him in to see her room yeah so he goes up those stairs again your favorite stairs favorite from the top of the stairs looking down he comes up and the woman who owns the house, she's standing by the door, but the stairwell, the top of the stairwell actually cuts off. The, you can't see her top. You just see her legs and they're hanging in frame just exactly the same oh, way that, wow. legs. Not it's very, that it's very noticeable. And you'd think, oh, maybe that stuff is accidental. until you start looking at some of the artwork on the walls. There's a picture in Cloris Leechman's room. She's got a lot of like 50s artwork. She's a beatnik, so she's got like paintings and stuff on the wall. One of the paintings is of a character, uh, Spread Eagle, with its arms out and its legs out, kind of like in desperation, it looks like, which is the same pose she has on the highway when she stops him in the car, and also the same position he's tied up in on the bed at the end of the movie when they get him again he's notably tied with his arms and legs like splayed out on this bed in a very like weirdly sexually compromised position anyway those motifs are are throughout this movie i i've seen it a few times and i keep on noticing these again and again like there's so many brilliant directorial and you know photographic little details in this movie i i don't know why it doesn't have a bigger reputation i really don't did you know
1: that the and I got this from IMDb trivia. The Kefauver Commission, which was a federal unit dedicated to investigating corrupting influences in the 1950s, mm-hmm. singled this movie out in 1955 as the number one menace to American youth. Amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing.
0: So that's that what our
1: federal government was busy doing with this movie. Right. Which is right. exactly what Hammer hates about the federal government in this movie is that they're right. doing things like that.
0: Well, and the other inc- incredible irony is that the other thing that the movie is is a is just a blazing critique of 50s society. Yeah and the violence inherent in American culture and the racism inherent in it. I mean, it's really consciously about that. Yeah. And for the government to conveniently mistake this for being the other, the opposite is amazing because clearly they could see that this movie, if looked in the right light would, would give you some really would give you pause about American culture, car culture and cool culture. And like, how it was even being marketed to people in the fifties. We forget that, you know, how old that tradition is of like advertising, just kind of like regurgitating their, your culture back at you so that you needed that car and that stare, that hi-fi stereo. And that, you know, it, it's, uh, it's about so many things, but not, it's not on paper, you know, it's, they don't, sure. they don't proselytize at you, but it's just, Full of social commentary. It's amazing. Vava vavavoom, Vava voom indeed
1: va-va-voom.
0: <laughs> Matty Blake just gave up on us. He didn't want to give us any of his. Uh, want to tell us any of his characters that he thought
1: he got a phone. He got a phone call. Where did you go, oh. Matty Blake? Where did you go, Matty Blake? Uh, who knows? Oh, he wow. Doesn't care anymore. Well, he's having some rocky road. Or something I don't know. Um. Well, what I, are we doing? What?
0: I was going to say something that isn't true. So I'm not going to say it. Oh, what you can't that? make me say it.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, what Next week we've got, um, we have uh, two choices in the, in our, in our list of noir that you came up with. Farewell, my lovely or woman on the run for next week.
0: Um, right. Right. Oh, well, woman on the run is great i've never seen Farewell my lovely farewell my lovely we might want to do last because it's okay. not technically a classic noir it was made in the oh, 70s and you know it's kind of an updated uh throwback movie
1: maddie finished his his sport <laughs> uh, of rocky road and he brings yeah. nash bridges yeah
0: denzel Which training day nash- character gotcha that makes sense yeah, Gentiles
1: training dick, Yeah, okay.
0: I mean, he was straight, straight up bad person though, criminal. But you know, you could argue that so is uh, so is Meeker because Meeker pimps out his girlfriend in this movie to villains, Matthew <laughs> to villains. He doesn't care. He's heartless.
1: He's like the honey badger. He doesn't care.
0: He doesn't care. Honey badger don't care. Honey badger don't care. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want you know what I, the only thing that's wrong with this whole experience what? is that you know you know that Shatner auditioned for this movie, and we, we haven't seen the tapes.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, that would what be... would
0: you give right now to see William Shatner's William audition Shatner for Kiss Me Deadly?
1: As, yeah, that would be pretty great. Yeah, I would love that uh well i think we've uh we've covered this movie
0: we've covered the waterfront let's face it
1: and next week we'll cover woman on the run
0: yeah um uh, kiss me deadly let's just see like you know i i'm a nerd so i have this movie on the on blu-ray so i don't know where people find it it's on dvd still but um kiss me deadly
1: might be hard to come by uh If you put a comma in there, it's easy to find. Kiss Me Deadly. Yeah. uh, Which is a... uh, An episode of the Pee-wee's Playhouse. It's a 1938 uh, madcap comedy starring (laughs) Cary Grant, Myrna Loy, and William Demarest. It's a sequel to to Topper. Kiss Me Deadly. (laughs) Um sequel the to toppers, that would be pretty
0: good. That would be I cool. want some credit for that. I'd like some props for that. You you're you're awesome. Ghost movie, Dead, Deadly, yeah. Kiss Me Deadly. Thank Kiss you. Me. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Oh, I got to get out of the Blythe house.
1: Spirit. <laughs> Blythe Spirit is the uh, Kiss Me Deadly is the musical of Blithe Spirit. yes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: Starring Legs Diamond. Yeah. As Noel Coward. Um, well, I got nothing left except that I can't recommend this one highly enough. This is honestly, I just, this gets better and better every time I see it.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I just, uh, love it. Um, all right. Uh, we are uh going to sign off. Goodbye. Have a lovely time. And, uh, we'll see you all. Um, we'll probably see you all next week. Let's say we will. What I mean, I'll see you next week. Probably you know? it's very cryptic. I don't, why did you say that? Well, because well, we actually, we well, actually didn't see anybody at all tonight. They maybe saw
0: us. Wow, this is a this is a sad Maudlin way to end the show.
1: We love you all.
0: We do. We any any love that you want to give us is appreciated. Thank you. Good, Good night. night.
1: Oh hey, and we got to tell people to go to our website.
0: Right because there's yeah. stuff on there.
1: Yeah, there's merch. There's other episodes of the show. You should be subscribed to the show. There's
0: so many episodes, but there's merch and there's stuff and yeah. there's gifts for people. Yeah.
1: There's a t-shirt, there's a a Silverado poster, all kinds of great stuff. So and check stuff, it out stuff is coming up too. We'll be adding stuff to it. Yeah, so check it out at ArkandBros.com.